Uh, and we've been uh, moving through this series we've entitled Preparing for Greater. Uh, we started out in the book of Numbers. Uh, and in the book of Numbers, we uh, recounted the story of the children of Israel and how Moses uh, went to Pharaoh and told him to let God's people go. But before Moses could ever get to that point to where he was uh, uh, ready uh, to lead God's people, millions of, of Hebrew slaves out of uh, slavery in Egypt, God had to prepare Moses. Everybody say prepare. Here's what I discovered in life. If you give us half a chance, most of us will try to do stuff without preparing, without ever preparing for stuff. Can I get a witness? Most of us, problem we first started out in school, we thought we were ready to graduate. We got to the ninth grade, didn't we? Huh? Most of us would rather, let me back up. A lot of people spend an inordinate amount of time avoiding preparation if, if they would just prepare and submit themselves to God's preparation process, they would be available for the thing that God has in store for them. Uh, the children of Israel were promised the land of Canaan. And God said, every place that your foot treads upon, I've already given it to you. Guys, y'all better, if y'all can put some clock up there, y'all better because I'll keep going. All right. All right. Every place that your foot treads upon, uh, I've already given it to you. Yet the fact remains that an entire generation failed to receive what God had duly promised them because they, had, they were not prepared to enter the land of promise. What are the three things they struggle with? Fear, unbelief, and what? Say it again, fear, unbelief, and they were always complaining. Are you in a relationship with anybody who always complains? Are you married to somebody who always complains? Yeah, I, don't, I didn't expect one amen. I didn't get one either, did I? I hear y'all saying, you ain't passing no no, I got to go home with this person. But, 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 but guys, uh, fear, unbelief, and complaining, so many of them fail to enter into the land of promise. Now, one of the things I shared with you when we started last week is that in order to prepare for greater, we, we, we need to un- understand how to do relationship. It, it's, 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 it's amazing to me how it is that, that, that Moses and Aaron uh, who were leading the people uh, were were frowned upon by the very people who they were leading to the place that God had promised them. Whereas I'm sure when they were leaving Egypt, they were excited and happy. But then when they got to the wilderness, they wanted to cast Moses them out. They wanted to do away with them. All right. So what that tells me is that sometimes even in your relationship with leadership in your relationship with uh, with with people on your job or whatever, if we don't learn how to properly do relationships, we'll never get to the place in God that he desires for us to be. Here's why it's important. God saved you to help save somebody else. God saved all of us and left us here on earth so that he could utilize us in our newly reborn state to go and reach someone else. Your sole purpose for being here, my sole purpose for being here on earth right now since I've been born again is to build relationship with people so that I can impact their lives for the cause of Christ. 
But if I'm if I'm I'm very tepid about relationship, if I'm the type of person who's sort of standoffish, if I'm the type of person who doesn't do well with meeting people and, and interfacing with people, then I'm going to be hindered in doing the very thing that God has called me to do. Now, again, if you recall, we, we, we said to prepare for greater relationships, we each have to go through the process of understanding why we are the way we are. Everybody say, I need to understand why I am the way I am. Because here's what God is always, God is consistently trying to do to each one of us. He's trying to transform each one of us into the express image of his dear son, Jesus Christ. The longer that we are saved, the more we should look like Jesus. But the sad reality is that in a lot of our churches, we're suffering and we're not advancing kingdom principles because many of us want to stay the way we are. And when you get saved, I've said before and I said again, Jesus won't leave you like he finds you. And so we have we all have a story to tell. Right. We all to some degree are a product of our past. I told you on last week and each of us is in some ways, each of us, listen to me carefully, each of us is in some ways controlled by the past until we consciously and willfully choose to break that control with the help of the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me today? So to prepare for great relationship, we said we have to deal with our, the wounds of our past. And I'm, let, let's step back into that right quick, the concept of wounds. Because as we go forth and we're going to begin to look at some things that, that God wants to do through us, each week I'm, I'm going to have a little section of, about knowing yourself. Because until you know yourself, you're not prepared for greater in, as, as it relates to relationship building. And that's where our churches are suffering. Jesus said... I want you to go and make disciples and disciple making requires relationship building. Can I get a witness? Now again, how many of you are like me at times where, uh, you know, I, I, I can do good, I think, by myself. In other words, I don't. I, 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 I can be at home and not have to be, be uh, you know, have to have someone around me. Huh? There are some of you all who are so social that you you, you got to have people around you all the time, right? Now, I shared with you last week some, some of my history and some of my, uh, uh, you know, some of the things that I've learned about myself when I began to try to look and discover why I am the way I am in certain little areas. Because all of us have some little idiosyncrasies. But, Pastor, what is that big word, idiosyncrasies? All of us got some little ways, some little habits, some little ticks, some of the stuff that we do that we need to understand why we do what we do. Because while we keep doing that, it's blocking us from being relational. Can I get a witness today? And so we talked about last week that we got to look back. In order to go forward, we got to look back. Ever say in order to go forward, I got to look back. So we talked about wounds here. You know, last week we defined a wound as any unresolved issue. Amen. The concept of wounds is what we're going over. Uh, we, we talked about last week said a wound is uh, 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 any unresolved issue where a lack of closure adversely impacts and shapes the direction and dynamic of a person's life now. In other words, with, when there are things from your past that you never got closure on, when there are things from your upbringing, there's, when there's things that happened in your marital relationship that you never got closure on, it's now affecting how you deal with the relational issues today. 
It's causing us in a lot of cases to not do relationships well because we never really honestly and with with the sense of purpose and integrity went back and found out why we are the way we are. Why are you so mean? If we got any mean people in place, why is it that every time you ask somebody, you holler? Instead of just answering in a normal tone. Any of y'all live with hollowers? <laughs> any of y'all live with people who, who what, what? <laughs> Why are you that way? <laughs> See, a wound, amen, is an unresolved issue that's affecting you today. The deepest wounds that we experience in life aren't physical wounds, uh, but they're wounds of our soul. You know, the wounds of our, 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 our thought process, our feelings, our emotions, our, our intellect. The natural instinct of a person who has, who has a wounded soul is simply to pretend that it's not there. And so some people compensate for that pain by learning not to feel. You have some people that, that just, just, they become cold and indifferent. Amen. And men in particular put a lid on their feelings and their emotions, even more so than women. But, but we got to get to the point to where we deal with those wounds. Now, go, go with me to John 13, because one of the things that we, we're saying is that if we're going to become relational, one of the things that we got to uh, understand is, that, is that, that, that God teaches us and he shares in his word what he desires and what he wants for us to do and what he wants for us to be. So John, the 13th chapter, let's go there right quick, and we're going to look at verse number 34, John 13. Uh, verse number 34. The text says this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should do what? You should love each other. Let's read one more time out loud on purpose. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Verse number 35 says what? Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What will prove to the world that we are his disciples? Our love for one another. Amen? Now, again, uh, that love that we talked about uh, normally cannot be properly expressed if we haven't dealt with the wounds of our past. Amen? Ultimately, I share with you that God is the author of all of our lives. Can I get a witness? And God can redeem your past and he can bless your future if you're open to him doing so. In the Garden of Eden, we talked about last week how Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they they hid themselves from God. They covered themselves. And God, amen, uh, when we as a body of believers uh, cover our sins and we cover our wounds and don't allow the Holy Spirit to come in and heal them, they will prevent us from being relational the way God wants us to be relational. There are many of y'all that are part of families that, that, that are not very close. I mean, uh, even though you, you may love each other, but you're not close. Uh, and, and some of that lack of closeness can stem from a lot of things. But, but I've discovered that sometimes it's because it's wounds that we haven't dealt with. It's stuff that, 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 that's hindering us from being that close-knit family that God wants us to be. So we got to get to the point where we can begin to move beyond the past and get to a point where God can, can use us in a relational sort of way. Go with me to John, the 21st chapter, right quick, as we talk about moving beyond the past. And we'll, we'll continue to talk about this because 
There are some things that, and I, there's some concrete strategies that we can begin to do to help get us to know ourselves. But we're going to keep moving today because we talked about loving one another, which is critically important. Look at this text here. John 21st chapter, verse number 15 with me. John 21, verse number 15. Peter, and most of y'all who studied your Bibles know about Peter. Peter needed to revisit his past in order to fully understand his story and to prepare for his future, guys. And Jesus had handpicked Peter as a future leader of the Christian movement, of the church age, amen? He had big plans for Peter, but Jesus also knew that Peter had blown it. Now, I need to see the hands of everybody here who has blown it since you've been saved. (laughs) How many of you have, have messed up royally, have messed up in such a draconian way that you, you almost couldn't hardly forgive yourself? Huh? And, 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 and so Peter had did something uh, 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 at such a monumental scale that, that Jesus had to deal with him to get him ready and prepared to lead and to be relational. Amen. He, he had blown it big time. And some of y'all have blown it, but, but Peter had blown it in front of everybody. See, most of us got stuff that we hide and covering that we, only we know, maybe a, a few close people know about it. But this thing was done publicly. If you've ever fallen publicly, amen, you understand what Peter was going through. Amen. Uh, Peter was going through a, a situation, even though, uh, you know, God had picked him out to lead, he still had to deal with that wound from the past. Because just before Jesus, just in case somebody hadn't read it, just before Jesus had gone to his death by way of crucifixion on the cross, he warned Peter that he would deny him three times. Is that correct? He didn't want to say, before, before the cock crows, you're going to die, deny me three times. Peter said, no way, Jose. Ain't, ain't no way that's going to happen. Peter, in his confident self, he was confident himself and his ability, but he said, no way, that's not going to happen, but it happened exactly as Jesus said it would. Can I get a witness? Exactly the way Jesus said it would. And, and so after his death, resurrection, Jesus recognized that Peter would have to deal with his past Before he could move forward and be the leader he was called to be. Here's what happens quite often is when we don't deal with wounds of the past is that and we cover it and we don't allow God or anybody else to help us with it. uh, We end up going on in life and even we'll move up in certain areas. And then all of a sudden something tragic happens, something uh, ungodly happens. And we think it happened all of a sudden, but it, it wasn't all of a sudden. It's just that that thing that had been bearing it been buried beneath the surface. It's always there, but we never dealt with it. And then all of a sudden it breaks out into the open. So God, God wants to get all of us to a point to where we deal with our wounds. And that's what he's doing here with Peter in this 21st chapter here. Amen. He recognized that Peter was going to deal with his past before he could move forward and be the leader he was called to be. So Jesus initiated a special meeting with Peter over a meal which they shared near a fishing boat, a place where Peter was comfortable because what did he do for a living? He was a commercial fisherman, right? And so Jesus, I I like the wisdom of Jesus because what Jesus does right here at this point is he takes Peter to a place that he's familiar with. He takes Peter to a place where he's comfortable, amen, a fishing boat, and begins to deal with, amen, amen, the wound that was still there. Can I get a witness? And so after some initial conversational interaction, Jesus got down to the point here in this 15 verse. Can y'all read it together with me? It says what? After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. 16, let's go. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Next verse says what? A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. All right. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said what? Feed my sheep. Now watch this, guys. Watch this. What was Jesus doing here, guys? What was he doing here? Peter answered the question clearly the first time. Can I get a witness? Go back to verse 15 with him right quick. He answered the question the first time. Very clear. He says, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him. So he heard him the first time. So what was Jesus up to? Why did he ask him this three times? Jesus wasn't trying to be cruel here. As, as, as we said, as I said, I told you earlier, Peter needed to revisit his past in order to fully understand his story and prepare for his future. So Jesus asked three questions, one for each one of the times that Peter denied him. Amen. Isn't it amazing how honest the scripture text is about the struggle? Amen. Peter was hurt. The Bible said in that, in that seventh, in that, in that last verse we read, Peter was hurt. How many of y'all are ever hurt when somebody, uh, calls upon you and then and, and they ask you about five times, do you really love me? How many of y'all have had a spouse or a child who questioned your love for them? Okay, all right. Let me ask that question one more time. How many of y'all have ever had a spouse or a child that questioned your love for them? I need some hands raised. Uh, so y'all, y'all ain't gonna play me like that. Simply looking at me like I'm crazy. If you ever did something to violate the trust of the one you love, they question your love. And 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 deep down inside, you you you, you knew you loved them. You knew you loved that child. But that child now, because you didn't give them what they wanted, because you did, you refused to continue to enable them by keep funneling money to them, and they're 45 irresponsible adults. And you decide to cut them off. Well, you don't love me, mama. No, mama love you. But mama, mama says it's time for you to grow up. And mama realize that I'm, I'm enabling you to stay in your irresponsibility. I'm enabling you to keep to, to, to keep on uh, overspending your budget and keep on wasting your money. Because every time you get into a, a, a little hole there, I come in and rescue you. And people will never get out of the hole if you keep a man feeding them money while they're in the hole. Can I get a witness? But what they will do is they'll start to think, you don't really love me because you don't give me the stuff that I'm asking you for. So, 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 so Peter was hurt that Jesus came to it three times. But what was he doing? Amen. The, the fact is, sometimes, guys, uh, you know, whenever we are getting uh, that wound taken care of, it, it, it calls for some hurt and pain to get the wound taken care of. Can I get a witness? How many of y'all know that whenever you have a scratch or a tear or a cut or something, it's, it's, especially if you cut it against something rusty, it's important for them to, to sterilize that, that wound, right? And how many of y'all know sterilizing that wound may, may cause for them to have to put a little alcohol on it? How many of y'all ever had alcohol on a cut before? Huh? Man, that hurts, doesn't it? But 
The alcohol is designed, come on, to, 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 to fight off any infection or any, any type of germs that, that, that may get into that wound. So even though it hurts, it's good for what ails you. Can I get a witness? If Peter didn't deal with the sin of his denying Jesus, he would never speak boldly for Jesus like scripture shows us he ultimately did. So Jesus had to deal with him, amen, to deal with that wound. Without this conversation, Peter certainly would carry guilt and self-doubt around in the days that followed. And perhaps others would have doubted whether or not they could trust him. Because remember, he did this publicly. I want to ask y'all a question. And I want y'all to think about this real seriously. If I, as your pastor, um, <laughs> let me just, I'm just, guys, y'all know I'm making this up because I, I, I pray to God I don't think I'd ever do this. But what if, what, if, what if I went to Brookshire's and after church and got some stuff and didn't pay for it? And they caught me when I was going to my truck and they arrested me for shoplifting. Or if I'm driving down Highway 3 uh, late one Saturday night and get pulled over by law enforcement and I get out my car drunk and they arrest me for driving while intoxicated. When I came to the pulpit the next day or the next week, how much confidence would you still have in me? Or, or, or how many of y'all would say, well, you know, I think I know my pastor and I, I think we pay him well enough to where he don't have to go shoplift, so that must be some kind of mistake. I got a few years. Some of y'all are like, oh, I ain't been here that long, Pastor. I just, I, I ain't been here that long. I don't know you like that yet. <laughs> but think about this. Peter failed publicly. He denied the master. He did it three times. He was out there, and then he says, "Wasn't you with Jesus?" No, no, it wasn't me. They said, "Well, no, you, 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 you kind of talk like you've been with Jesus." See, when you've been with the Master, and the Master has been with you, then there's going to be a difference in how you communicate. And so it got to the point to where uh, the, the third time around, when they, when they, when they came to him, saying, "Yeah, you with Jesus," he said, "Blank in the blank, blank, blank." I told you I went with the man. The rooster crows, and now conviction comes because he remember what the master had told him. He had all that stuff on the inside, and so now Jesus is trying to get him prepared to lead, but he's got to deal with that, and so he comes to him, and he, he begins to, 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 to heal him. He said, Peter, he said, Peter, you need restoration so that you can advance in confidence and freedom as one of the leaders of the church. Peter, you need to know that I have forgiven you. Peter, you need to know that that I'm no longer, and I never did because I I knew you from the time before I ever saved you. How many of y'all know Jesus knows us before we even get on this earth? Because in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh and dwelt among men. So if Jesus was already here, he's God. Amen. He's, he's, Jesus is God manifesting the flesh. We serve a triune God, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He, he was here before there was a here. Can I get a witness? Jesus knows everything about us. Before we ever got saved, before he ever saved us, he knew what we were going to do. 
but he saved us anyhow. Aren't you glad about that? Now, there ain't no excuse to do whatever you want to do, but my point is this. Jesus had to get Peter's wound healed in order for him to be effective in leading this Christian movement. And so we know that Peter would go on to lead courageously and help launch a worldwide movement that continues even today. Let's get back to what we talked about last week, because, again, go with me, if you will. Let's go back to, to, uh, to John 13 and 35 right quick. Pop that up for me again. 13, 34, and 35. Amen. Preparing for greater as it relates to relationships. And on last week, you know, we, we shared some things. Which is your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And on last week, I gave you the characteristics of Christian love. We said love, Christian love is what? Authentic. It's not fake. It's real. It's genuine. Amen. Christian love is also discerning. Amen. It's discerning. We said Christian love is loyal and Christian love is unselfish. Everybody say unselfish. Now, 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 let's, let's look at an illustration of, of Christian love because uh, Jesus tells uh, a story that, that, that most if, who read it would agree that it's the greatest illustration of what it means to be a neighbor the greatest, the greatest story, I believe, the greatest illustration that ever been told of what it means to be neighborly. Amen. Uh, this story included the following cast of characters. It included uh, uh, it included a, 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 a person who was in need. Amen. It included two busy religious leaders. Amen. And it included an unlikely uh, uh, an unlikely helper who stepped in and did and exhibited what true love is all about. Because Jesus told us, here's how the world, Sister Babe, is going to know that we are his disciples. By the love that we have one to another. Now, I want to ask you a question. When the world looks at the church today, are we showing the type of love that Jesus wants us to show? I will submit to you that in a lot of cases, this is not all cases, but in a lot of cases, we're doing a very poor job because the world sees us bickering and arguing. I don't mean just us here. I mean, I mean the church at large. We, we, we spend a whole lot of time trying to run down somebody else because maybe God is moving in their ministry and we get jealous. And so, so that church is growing and ours is not. So let's talk about them. Rather than saying, you know what? Hey, God is moving, people are getting saved, lives are being transformed, marriages are being healed, amen. Young people are, are, are getting to know Jesus. More power to you, brother. But no, we sit back and try to figure out what they're doing. Uh, something must be going on over there. That ain't deep enough. You know, they ain't requiring anything. Listen, be glad that people are going to get nurtured and developed. Can I get a witness? I, listen, I, I'm not mad at you. If, if you're reaching people with the gospel, amen, more power to you. So the world needs to see us, amen, amen, loving one another. So, 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 so again, we, we have uh, uh, this illustration. Now, again, go, go with me to Luke, the 10th chapter right here. Let's walk through this real quick. Luke chapter number 10, verse number 25. Preparing for greater. We got to become more relational. We got to let the Lord grow us to the point to where we are relational enough with somebody 
with some people enough to where when we mess up and we have wounds, we don't do like Adam and Eve did in the garden. We hide. Because when we hide it, he can't heal it. Amen? Can't get a witness. And if you're not relational, you're, not, you're, you're going to be a type of person who's going to keep everything, amen, buttoned up. You're not going to let anything out because you got, quote, an image to uphold. But let me tell you something. God has a vessel he needs to use. And as long as you are, amen, not dealing with your wounds, you, you, you're going you're to be susceptible to the enemy coming in and, 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 and turning you away from God. Can I get a witness? Watch the text right here. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Next verse says, Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Next verse says, what? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28 says, what? Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. All right, now stop right there. We're going to stop right there just for a second, okay? This lawyer came to Jesus and asked him, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that's not a bad question. Everybody all want to know the answer to that question. I think, amen? Not a bad question. In fact, it's the most important question you can ever ask. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? But I noticed the wisdom of Jesus in this conversation here. Jesus didn't answer right away. He decided to, to draw this man out to see if he would be able to answer it on his own. Amen. So Jesus knew this man was an expert in the law. This attorney, this lawyer knew the, knew the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. He knew the Torah backwards and forward. Amen. So Jesus, being the perfect teacher that he is, led this man to discover the answer to his own question. The lawyer answered in verse 27, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength and your mind, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Good answer. Everybody say good answer. How many of y'all ever watch Family Feud? When Family Feud comes on and they hit, hit the button, how many of y'all know that's some dumb answers? Come on, let's be honest. Yeah, I said it. There's some dumb answers, and then there's some good answers. I didn't offend you, did you? Because there's sometimes people don't like, what in the world were they thinking about? How, how did they possibly think that that was one of the answers? <laughs> All right? So, th- so, so when this guy answers, love your neighbor as yourself, good answer. Everybody say, good answer. Yeah. Jesus agreed and, and, and commended the man for his wise response. Now, guys, the entire law of God can be summarized in those two phrases. But the lawyer wasn't finished. Here's where Jesus is getting to the core root of it. Because, see, sometimes we got wounds that are not visible to the naked eye. Hello. Sometimes we got some stuff going on with us that the person, uh, the community thinks you, you're, you're a high, upstanding citizen. The community thinks that, man, you are, you are a blessing to have on our board. But the community don't know that there's something going on beneath the surface that's on the inside of you that God got to deal with. And if you don't let God deal with it, the community at one point in time will not going to thank you the most high upstanding person because the enemy will get you out there and cut the limb off. Amen. Peter, amen, in his, in his zeal to say, Jesus, I'll never turn away from you. But Jesus knew that there was something, Eric, on the inside of Peter that Peter didn't even realize was there. Peter, with his pride for self, says, I will never deny you. But Jesus said before the cross closed, amen, you're going to deny me three times. Watch, watch it. Amen. Uh, so, 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 
I love the wisdom of Jesus, guys. Amen. He said, the, law, the lawyer wasn't finished after that. He said, he said the lawyer, hey, so who exactly is my neighbor? All right, watch this. Go, he says, the man wanted, now watch this. Read, read what it says. The man wanted to do what? To justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? See, there was something on the inside of this guy that, that, that Jesus had to deal with. He wanted to justify himself. How many of y'all deal with people who are always trying to justify themselves? Always trying to prove that they're right. Always trying to prove that they're right and you're wrong. So he, he was trying to justify himself. So to answer the question, Jesus told a story, again, that, that I believe is, is, is the greatest illustration of what a true neighbor really is. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all got neighbors that you stay next to right now that if you need to borrow some sugar, you'd be afraid to go over there and borrow some sugar from them? Now, I don't mean afraid. In other words, you don't know them well enough, huh, to go get some sugar. Let me see your hands. Come on. All right. How many of y'all live in a neighborhood right next to folks that if you had a medical emergency and had to leave your 8-year-old or 10-year-old with the neighbor, you would feel comfortable doing that, or you would not feel comfortable. Okay, how many of y'all would feel comfortable? You got somebody, okay? How many of y'all, how many of y'all the person right next door to you, you don't know them well enough to do that? I mean, I know my neighbors next door, but I, I you know, I, I, and, and I know one of them I've talked to, me, I know he's saved, love the Lord. Uh, the other ones uh, over there, I know them too, they're nice people, serve on the board with them, but I just don't know if I would say, okay, uh, keep them for the next 24 hours. Huh? Sometimes we think we know, but we really don't know. And, 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 and when we look at this thing, watch, watch when we get back here. Watch, watch what the text says, you guys. Seeking to justify himself. Watch this, watch this. Uh, Jesus replied with a story. Now, again, I said... He gives a perfect illustration of what a neighbor really is, what a true neighbor really is. Again, many of us, amen, uh, in today's society don't really know our neighbors to the point to where uh, we, we know them well enough to do something uh, to entrust our kids with them, to, to go over them and ask to borrow something, amen? Uh, so, uh, but Jesus gives illustration. He says, uh, uh, you know, a Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Again, we look at, the, we see a person in need here. How many of y'all know if you get robbed and you left for half dead, you're in need? Right? And left them half dead beside the road. Verse number 31. Y'all know the story. It says, by chance a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Now watch this, guys. Watch this. Let's get back to a second. The, here's what we got to understand. Context is really important here. The road to Jerusalem to Jericho winds 17 miles through a wilderness of rocks and ravines, a mountainous type area. Amen? And, 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 and this, this road was notoriously known as a hangout for hardened criminals. And these hardened criminals would just basically lie in wait, amen, for any person who was traveling by themselves. And so the 17-mile stretch had earned the nickname the Way of Blood. 
Now, any road that's named the way of blood, I want to stay off of it. As a matter of fact, uh, before the parish recently straightened the curve out, uh, when you go into our house on Linton Road, Keisha, there's a curve that they used to call Dead Man's Curve. Now, you, why do they call it Dead Man's Curve? Because people died in that curve. The curve was real steep, and if you if you if you're going too fast, man, psh, off the road. It was known as Dead Man Curve, but this 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 road here was known as the Way of Blood because oftentimes people would get robbed going through that, especially when you're traveling by yourself. And guys, the world we live in uh, can be a cruel and violent place. Would y'all agree? I mean, there are murders, there's, there's, there's muggings, there's war, there's rape, there's abuse happening every day, and 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 so. But it shouldn't surprise us. Notice what the scripture says about the climate of our society during the last days. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. Everybody say preparing for greater relationships. Preparing for greater relationships. What Jesus does here in telling this story, this parable of the Good Samaritan, which is known as, he's given us an illustration of what it means to be relational. He's given us an illustration of what it means to show Christian love. The text says, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, Paul is writing to his young son in the ministry by the name of Timothy. He said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, now guys, we are living in what is known as the period of the last days. The period of the last days, amen, and God don't count time like we do count time, but, but the period of the last days began with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Amen? We're living in the last days. He says, in the last days, there will be very difficult times. This stuff that's happening in this country politically and, and with, 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 with relationships and, and race relations and all this stuff, this is no surprise, guys. Because, see, listen, the Bible predicted that as we get further into the last day period, this stuff is going to wax worse and worse. Amen. So it's time now for the church to stand up and be the church. It's time now for the church to to call out wrongdoing. It's time for the church to stand up and say, for God, we live and for God, we die. It's time for the church to show love one to another. It's time for the church to show love to the world. But many of us are, are, are tucking our you know, tails and going back in our own little homes and saying, I don't want to be bothered by nobody. I just, want to, I just want to get along. And sometimes, guys, when you stand for truth, some people aren't going to like you. That's, that, that, that's just the truth of the matter. When you speak truth, sometimes people just aren't going to like you. Speak truth anyhow, though. Amen? Can I get a witness? Watch, watch the text here. Watch this. Look at it. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Look at verse number two. See if you, can, see, see if you notice any, any, any of these trends in society today. For people will love only themselves and their what? Say it again. People will love what? Only themselves and their money. They will be what? Boastful and proud. Do y'all see that in society today? Boastful and proud. Scoffing at God. Do you realize, guys, that we're living in a society now and even in our politics where, where there, there, there are people who, think about this for a second. There are people who, 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 who protest it. That, that last year up at Benton High School, they protested the fact that Christ Fit Gym paid for advertising uh, to put their logo in the end zone, and somebody had a problem with their logo in the end zone because it had a cross on it. 
and it had Christ in the name. Well, the name of the gym is Christ Fit Gym. They paid for the ad, leave the folk alone. But here's what's happening. We live in a society that's becoming increasingly secular. So much so, they want to wipe God out of the public sphere. They want to take God out of everything. But let me tell you something. Listen, as long as I'm saved, I'm going to speak about God wherever I go. People say religion is private. No, it ain't. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about who I am. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about what God has saved me to be. And if I'm a child of God, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I'm, I, 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 I got to say so. I'm kind of like Jeremiah, Craig. It's like fire. Shoving my bone. I can't keep this thing, Pastor Tate, to myself because God has been too good to me. So that, that's just my little, my little take on it. That's my little soapbox for five minutes there, okay? <laughs> for the people, watch this. For the people who love only themselves and their money, they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. Disobedient to parents. How many of y'all have noticed the rebellious nature of children in these last days? Have y'all noticed that? And then, then they, and you got to be very careful on what kind of shows you allow them to watch because here, here's what Hollywood is doing. Hollywood is interweaving into their programming things that they want to get inside of our children's head and get inside of your heads. Have you even noticed on some of these commercials now where they show men, amen, as family units uh, sitting on the couch hugging each other? And, 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 and it goes right back as if they are normalizing uh, 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 homosexuality. Now, guys, let me say this right quick. Uh, when it comes to dealing with any sin, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's, whether it's adultery, whether it's drunkenness, whether it's, uh, 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 you know, stealing, whatever. I mean, uh, we, we all love people and we're called to be relational with people. So, so I don't bash the person, but I will talk about the sin. And so what's happening now is people who are in the sin will begin to say that you are intolerant because you deal with the sin. See, listen, I can deal with the sin and still love the sinner. As a matter of fact, that's what we as a church are called to do. Deal, call sin, sin, but don't be hateful to the sinner. Can I get a witness? Because we're called to do what? Love one another. Watch this, watch this. They will, they will consider nothing sacred. Nothing sacred. Disobedience to parents and ungrateful. How many of y'all got some ungrateful children? Now, how many times your children have been ungrateful? I know, I know you're kind of shame. You don't want to say anything right now. In part, but, but, but some of y'all know you've got some ungrateful children. You know, sometimes they just, you know, they, they feel like they're entitled to stuff. What you entitled to? You don't own nothing. <laughs> he says, disobedience of parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Look at verse number three. Come on, let's go. Y'all there? Let's read. Out loud, no purpose. Ready? Read. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others. And have no self-control. Why are, we, why are we all on Facebook talking about people? Why, 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 are, we, why, why are we telling lies? Why, why are we throwing stuff out? And I'm talking about Christians now. The world going to do what the world do. Sinners do what sinners do. But you Christians who are out there on social media airing your problem, go to, get, go to your counselor and stay off Facebook airing your problem. 
Well, I just feel good when I express. Do you think those folks are really your friend? Do you honestly think that person is your friend? Oh, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got thousand Facebook followers. So what? Amen. If you need some money to pay your rent, are you those followers gonna pay your rent for you? You better find somebody who you're relational with who can help you from getting put out your place. Okay. Y'all better leave me alone. Amen. In the last days, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others. Guys, if you ain't got nothing good to say, just keep quiet. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Verse 4, come on. This is, this is the climate in the last days. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They love pleasure rather than God. That's the climate in the last days. Are y'all with me today? Now, now, let's go back to this guy in the story. Go back to Luke 10 with Michael. Hurry, hurry. Got to move. You know, as bad as it feels to get beat up, amen, and this guy was basically beaten, the Bible says, and left for dead. Is that right? Those physical scars heal much quicker than emotional wounds do. And the church needs to be alert to ways to minister to those who got emotional wounds as well. Because, again, when we look in order to know ourselves, we got to we got to look back to see where we came from. Because I told you, uh, for for most people, the, the most dominant influence on how we are, the way we are, is our family, unit, our family of origin, our mother, father, relatives and how, where we grew up and whether or not we had a relationship with them or not. That affects us. And some of you here are too ashamed to say it out loud that that affected me. An absent father affected me. An overly bonded with mother wound affected me. Some turmoil in my family or abuse in my family affected me. The lack of, of connectivity in, in those important relationships now causes me to be somewhat detached and non-relational. So that affected me. So I, I got to figure out why I am the way I am and then allow the Holy Spirit to help deal with that. Because again, when I say that, that's not an excuse to stay where you are. Because the Holy Spirit and God and his word, amen, is there to help you overcome that. But you can't overcome that if you never get into the book. You can't overcome that if you never allow the Holy Spirit to come in and fill you with his presence, amen? Are y'all still with me today? So, so again, the church needs to be alert to ways to minister to those who, who have these emotional wounds. Because even if this man was beat up, it's kind of like this. Let me put it this way. You know, when our military personnel, and I thank God for our military personnel, they, they uh, you know, let's give them a hand right there. Just give anybody who's in the service or have been in the service need to have a hand. Because here's what a person who signs up for military duty does. They put their families on hold to go and protect us. And when they go to war, guys, sometimes they come back not with physical wounds, but wounds internally. Emotional room. They have, you know, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, where it's, it's not a physical wound as much as it is emotional wound. And, and, and many of us, I think, are, are walking around, even though we didn't go to war, we got some, some, some PTSD going on on the inside of us. 
because of some tragic event. You don't have to go to war to get PTSD. Some tragic event, some abuse, some neglect, some, uh, some, uh, some things that have happened in our past that we never allowed the Holy Spirit to deal with. So now we're carrying that wound. That's why Jesus had to deal with Peter because he knew Peter was, was, was commissioned to be one of the leaders of the church. So he had to deal with them up front and personal. The worst kinds of wounds are spiritual wounds, though. We have emotional wounds, we have physical wounds, but spiritual wounds. The thieves in the parable that we see here represent Satan, who's the adversary of Christ. Because you, you can see a physical wound, can't you? And, and, and somebody got a cast on their arm, and, and, you, you, can some, you, and you, you can sometimes sense an emotional wound, but, but many, many people are blind to the spiritual mugging that is taking place in their lives. Some of you have been hurt amen, in church, and now you detach yourself from church because you were hurt in church, realizing that being in church and being hurt, amen, uh, is no different than being out of church and being hurt. It's no different than being hurt at work. Well, the people in church, I don't know, but listen, the people in church are just like you, amen, trying to grow and develop. And so when I'm in church, when I'm connected with family, who better to deal with my issue than dealing with it with family members who are growing and maturing? Are y'all with me today? This guy, a man, was, was, was attacked by thieves. And in Luke 16, again, uh, if you go to Luke 16, chapter, Jesus told a story about a rich man who died and went to hell. And in torment, he begged for relief. And while he was on this earth, Satan was his master. And Satan robbed him of eternal life without him even knowing it. So the enemy is always trying to rob us emotionally and spiritually. Amen? Uh, but, but guys... So, so, so we see uh, in this we see a person in need. Secondly, we see these two busy religious religious leaders. Go back to Luke with me, right quick. Amen. Go back to Luke the tenth chapter. I gotta hurry up and get us out of here. So, these religious leaders come. The first one was uh, uh, what the priest that came, right? By chance, a priest came along. When, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. And say, say, ain't that a trip? Look at the next verse. We said, a temple assistant, a Levite, walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side. He looked at him. He went over and looked at him and then kept going. But look at the, ne- the next verse says this. Why? Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt what? He felt what? He felt compassion. Amen. This, this, third, this third individual in our story, this unlikely helper, this one, the one that, that, that many thought wouldn't have helped, a despised Samaritan. The one that had been violated, the one that had been attacked on the road was a Jew. And you all that study your Bible know Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. It was racial, racial hatred to the nth degree. They did not get along. A, a, it, it, it was it was it, it, it was thought that any 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 Jew worth his worth his worth his weight and salt would would go miles around to keep from going through Samaria because they didn't want to interact with any Samaritan. Now that, that, that's some hatred, isn't it? And guys, I'm going to tell you something right now. In this world that we're living in, we need the church to stand up and call out racial hatred. We need a church to say, listen, you are a child of God. The world, I don't expect you to be better from the world, but you say you know Jesus. If you know Jesus and you prejudice, whether you're black or white, prejudice goes both ways. Let me say it again. 
racial hatred goes both ways. And if you're in the church hating somebody based on and, and, and treating them differently based on what it looks like on the outside, you are dead wrong. I need one amen on that. Because God is not a respected person. So look, 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 at, look at what happened. Here. This, this unlikely helper, Samaritan, despised Samaritan. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Let's keep reading. I got to get out of here. Going over to him, the Samaritan uh, soothed his wounds with olive oil and, and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Watch this. Next verse. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of, now, now Jesus get back to this guy who tried to justify himself. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. Look at the next verse. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Boy, Jesus is bad, ain't he? Come on, ain't he bad? He just, he, he, the illustration, now the Samaritan, look, look at the outline. The Samaritan cared about a man he never met. He didn't check to see if the man was someone he might know. The fact that this man was in trouble was enough to stir his conscience. And some of us will help people as long as we know the people. We'll help our friends, but what about that, that person that the Lord puts in your spirit? You may not know them, but the Lord, you know the Lord is telling you, go and bless that person. Go and help that person. Are you willing to go? He cared about a man he didn't never met. Second thing I, that, that's, that I think is significant is the Samaritan assisted a man who was his natural enemy. Huh? The Samaritan assisted a man who was his natural enemy. The Samaritan bent down and discovered the injured man was a Jew. The Jews and the Samaritan hated each other. They refused to deal with each other. It, again, it was said that a Jew would rather eat with swine than a Samaritan. And if you know anything about Jewish culture, swines, pigs were off limit. But they hated Samaritan so much, they would rather eat swine than to deal with a Samaritan. Amen? But, but, but again, we, you know, Jesus stopped. When we look at this next week, he stopped. Remember when he stopped and talked with the woman at the well in Samaria? His disciples were absolutely dumbfounded that he would talk to a Samaritan woman. We'll look at that next week. And some of y'all sitting there right now, I want to ask you a question. What's inside of you that's causing you to look at people who don't look like you in the wrong way. What's causing you to not be biblical when you deal with any situation? Well, I would have I helped him. He's a brother. Brother ain't got nothing to do with your skin color. Brother got to do with whether or not you're born again and know Jesus Christ as a person's Savior. So it doesn't matter what a person looks like on the outside. That should not prohibit you from serving and showing love to them. Amen? So, again, God asks us to minister to people who are opposed to us, who resist us, and who criticize us. You know why he wants us to do that? Because he loves us even though we're so selfish and ungrateful at times. That's why I believe God says, go help that person. You know at work, Nobody, don't nobody like him. You know he don't like you, but you go help him. Yeah, he told you to go help that person who you don't like. Or you, let me put it this way. You don't like their ways. Why is he doing that? Why is he telling you that? Because he knows that there are times when we are, we, listen, listen, our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. We ain't all that. Huh? And if you think you're all that, you better go check yourself. God still love you, right? 
He forgave you, right? He still honors you, right? And so God says, when I tell you to go help somebody, when I put in your spirit to go do it, it don't matter what they look like, where they come from, you go do what I told you to do. Because there are times when we're ungrateful and we're unloving also, but God still helps us. Romans 5, and they says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And in John 13, 34, Jesus says, as I love you, so you must love one another. So the third thing, the Samaritan sacrificed himself for a man who couldn't repay him. Don't do stuff for people who can do stuff for you. Do stuff for people because God told you to do it. And this act of love cost the Samaritan in several expressive ways. Look, look at it, we're closing out. It cost him some time. I'm sure he had a schedule to keep, but he stopped anyway. Opportunities to show love often express themselves at first as an interruption to our plans. See, love, loving people is not all the time convenient. It costs him some time. It also costs him his resources. He raced to this man's side and poured wine on his wounds to disinfect them, and then he poured oil on them to soothe them. Those substances weren't cheap. And the oil and the wine may have been very precious to him, but he used it to help this man. It cost him his resources. Third thing it did, it cost him some energy because he picked the man up and placed him across his donkey and he walked beside the donkey the rest of the trip to the hotel. So we had to exert some energy. Some of us won't move two feet off our couch to help anybody. But this guy exerted some energy. It also cost him some sleep because he spent the night watching over him during those first critical 24 hours. Number five, it cost him some money, y'all. In the morning, he gave the innkeeper two silver coins, two denarii, to pay for the hotel room. That's two days' wages, y'all. Hotels were expensive back then. Amen? It cost him money. And third, and six, the sixth thing is, it cost him some debt because he said, take care of this man until he is well, and whatever it takes, I'll be back through here in a couple of days, and I'll pay the bill. Charge it to my account. He went in debt to take care of this man. Now listen. Jesus said love one another. And what does that look like? It looks like what this Samaritan did to this Jew. If you're going to love one another, if we're going to love one another, we got to embody the spirit of the good Samaritan. Amen? Because if you're going to be relational, being in relationship with people means that there are going to be times when they're going to do stuff to disappoint you. How do you respond when you're disappointed? How do you respond when you're hurt? If you're going to be a, a, a soldier for Christ, you can't run and tuck tail and, and hide when people hurt you or people disappoint you. And if you're that type of person, you're not ready to fully love the way Jesus told you to love. Let's get it right. It's time for some greater relationship. Amen? Jesus died on the cross so that you and I could have a right to the tree of life. He hung, bled, and died and resurrected the third day morning with all power and heaven and earth in his hands so that you and I could prepare for greater relationships. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise.